Good morning, everyone. And uh, I really want to thank you and praise the Lord also for your support and for the privilege and honor to be here with you this morning. And it's always a privilege to come and share what the Lord has done. And the ministry is not about me. It's not about anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's all about him. And I really want to apologize for my voice. I'm not sick. I, I wore it out, but uh, Renee reminded me that pollen, which I have bad allergies, so along with pollen and talking and teaching and phone calls, that probably warrants why my voice left. But thank you for having me anyway, and I hope it doesn't, I hope it, nobody gets a headache or anything. <laughs> um, I'm just going to give a word of testimony. I want to praise and thank the Lord for my salvation this morning. Years ago, back when, I'm not going to go real long with that, and I will give a few moments to the ministry just to give some highlights. I gave uh, Dottie's uh, brochures, updated brochures on all what entails in the ministry. There's a lot of different parts. It would take for, till the cows come home to tell it all. So if you'd like to know more about the ministry, you can get a brochure. And there's also invitations to go on Ramaya's Facebook. And we have over 10, we have people in more than 10 countries and all around the U.S. following that. Ramaya's Facebook page belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a light. Offers the gospel. It helps uh, Christians to be fed. And um, there's a verse every day. I'll just say that much and then I'll do the testimony. I didn't forget since I mentioned that, um, just about the ministry. I guess I'm doing it backwards, that's all right. Um, just to uh, go on there, you can hear him on Saturday. We have five services on Sunday, and on and on. So you can learn a lot that way about the ministry. And then also uh, Ramaya's we um, uh, website. You can learn a lot on that too. So, and then there's some, there's some, you can call and order literature if you like. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. But years and years ago, back when it was a really long time ago, but to me it seems like it was only yesterday, um, that I went through a lot of uh, very deep depression. And it was a horrible pit. And um, I had had knowledge about who the, Lord, who the Lord is. I knew about Jesus in my head. Uh, I had learned those things, and you know, all about him. And... Um, there were different problems. I'm not going to go into that. No glory for Satan. <laughs> but I didn't handle everything the way the Lord would want me to handle it as a, as a teenage girl. And what I did was I spiraled down. And that's what happens. Uh, Psalms reminds us of fret, fret not our, don't fret. Because it only leads to more evil and it can wind up spiraling us down into a horrible pit. Which is what I did. And um, only the Lord could have uh, saved me out of that. It was horrible. It was a horrible time in my life. It was trauma. Um, what happened, I'll just tell you the, the outcome of that. Um, I wound up doing things I wish I never did. I'm, the habits and some things that I did. But the worst thing about it was that I was put in a mental institution. We're not supposed to get out. And um, the doctor's professional said I was mentally ill. The key should be thrown away, put, locked up and the key thrown away which some of my behavior warranted that, I hate to say. And um, not only that, I wound up with a, trip, a, a triple series of shock treatments for depression, which didn't work. And all what they had to offer did not work, by the way. And I was in there almost six months, I guess, 
turned 18 in there, I came out and then went into another mental place. But none of those things ever worked. And um, I even got so bad, I wound up, I shot myself with a, with a shotgun. And just to give you an idea, I was manic depressive and suicidal and they diagnosed me schizophrenic, which I was none of that. They're, they're, I just was, you know, that upset and angry about things that were going on and took it out on myself is what I was doing. But God saved me, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it was 1971 on Sunday morning in the car. I realized, you know, that I needed to turn to him. I had that knowledge about the Lord. That's what I did. I, I was so sorry for my sin and I still am. But thank the Lord, he's already paid the price for the sins that we've done. And uh, we don't have to keep going back again and again and reviewing them. Um, for years, I, I really felt bad about the things I did. Um, but, you know, as being a Christian, you know, you did that, you did that, you know what I mean? Some guilt there, but the Lord, as uh, I think it's Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, he hath put our sins from him. And that means that because east and west don't meet, north and south do. That's not an accident that's in the scripture. That means that God remembers our sin no more. And people are not like that. People, you know, when, when, we have, when we do things or have done wrong things, people will be the last one sometimes, to, you know, not let us forget what we've done. But I did accept him and I wanted to be with God's people. I wanted to be in his word. I wanted to worship. And I've been there for 51 years, I think it is now. And I'm telling you, I've never had one day of disappointment. And uh, what has happened as a result of going through that time period in my life, it was trauma is what it was. Um, and I wound up being asked to give my testimony at Belmar Baptist Church in Belmar in 1988. And I think it was eight women came forward to be saved. It was a mother and daughter's banquet. Then my pastor, he suggested I write it down because I love to write and I do write. I mean, I am a writer. And um, anyway, I wrote it down and it became I Was Blind, Now I See booklet, which has been everywhere, all over the world all these years now. And then um, what happened was somebody sent it to Jack O'Dell and it wound up on Unshackled on WKDN. And then um, because of that, that time period of trauma, the God opened doors for ministry all the rest of my life. I started ministering at home. I always teach, I teach ladies and children, by the way. I'm not, not a pastor. <laughs> I'm a missionary. But I teach women this, that your first mission field is always at home. And that's the truth. We serve God at home. And then, you know, then church and wherever the Lord would lead us to serve, and I'm telling you, I'm so grateful for that because out of that blue booklet came the prison ministry. Now, this year will be 32 years. And um, still involved in prison ministry, although I'm not allowed in yet because of COVID. And, um, but I do packages, pen pals. And I'm on the uh, list for uh, the state prison for women in New Jersey to be a care person, an aftercare person, excuse me, and do biblical counsel because I do counseling, biblical counseling as well. And um, for women getting out of prison in uh, Burlington, Camden, and Gloucester counties. And then of course I supply prisons with Bibles and literature and so on. So that's just one, one little part there. And then of course, depression. I helped a lady with depression, became my best friend. She lives in Kentucky. 
And uh, she asked the pastor if, if I could teach on depression at Bible, open a ladies' Bible study. That, I'll be there doing that 39 years this fall. So, and that booklet that I put together for that Bible study has been used everywhere on retreats, conferences. And all the multifaceted parts of Ramaya came out of that life that was so broken back then. Just gives me the chills to think of it. Because I just followed the Lord as he led me to go after I got saved. I, I actually did, and, and the Lord opened doors for children's ministries, women's ministries speaking. I mean, uh, it's, a, it's, just a, it's just a joy to serve the Lord. And uh, Nehemiah said that in Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Boy, is that ever true. And I just praise the Lord for the privilege of being able to serve him. And uh, for this morning, I think I covered what I wanted to, teaching children and the women, um, encouraging women to use their abilities for the Lord. Told you about Facebook. I didn't want to miss anything real important. The brochure has a brief history. It has a little bit about the founder. Um, and then some recommendations, professional recommendations from other pastors and I mean, excuse me, from pastors and missionaries and so forth. I put a newsletter out four times a year, or three times a year, excuse me, because the work is very similar. Just highlight, I want to highlight, I've been a privilege for 21 years to be able to teach an after-school Bible class at Berlin School through Gospel Ministries to Children Incorporated. Folks, this is a blessing. A lot of the schools won't allow a Bible club after school. We've just had three children get saved since October. They asked me to do three clubs a year. Now, I will remind you that we missed a year and seven months due to COVID. You know, the schools were not, you know, had the problems there. But I just finished two this year, and Lord willing, and the crick don't rise, <laughs> hope to be back in October with another one. So we're hoping. We have to do one day at a time, right? And my ladies' Bible study, God's ladies' Bible study, excuse me, Tuesday mornings, 9.30 to 11.30. We have a wonderful group of ladies there, wonderful group of ladies. And I'm teaching on women of the Bible right now. Um, so that's one thing. And then another big deal is the clothing bin at, at Fellowship. They, they voted to allow me to have a clothing bin put there. It's big. It holds about 700 pounds of clothing. And last year we did... Um, five tons of clothing, collected and donated five tons of clothing that were distributed. And this year already, I think it's over a ton. And that was the first five months. So the ministry's growing that way. It's got a drop slot. You want to drop clothes there sometime, it's right there in West Berlin behind Palace. You can get a receipt too. Um, I have a Bread of Life food pantry now. And uh, there's many, several people that have gotten saved recently through that pantry. They get food, but they also get the gospel. They get an opportunity and invitation to accept Christ as Savior. The people who do that in the inner city are then invited to Pastor Anthony Garris's church, inner city Bible Baptist church, or Pastor Paul Robinson. Some of you may have known them, but they're invited to go there. And then I'm almost done with this. <laughs> I just want to make sure that I say what I wanted to say on this. The other big thing is the literature. Last year, we sent out three-quarters of a ton of literature, Sunday school materials, devotionals, Bibles, Christian books, to African and Asian countries. I have four outlets, three outlets, and then I have another outlet just for gospel booklets like in Europe. We did Romania, excuse me, the Ukraine this year, 
This year already, we're, we're, we're even past that. We're past that. I've got, I've got almost, I guess, about a half a ton now ready to go. I praise the Lord for everybody who helps in the ministry. I don't do it alone. I have runners that actually take these things to Pennsylvania, Harrisburg, and Sinking Spring. I think that's mainly what I wanted to, to cover as far as the ministry goes. And then <clears throat> I have, uh, this is something I usually uh, do with ladies, and, and it's for everyone, really. It's the word. Excuse me, I have to get a little drink. <laughs> Thank you again, Dottie. Boy, you're so nice. I'm telling you, bringing me that. Okay, seven qualities for spiritual growth. Now, one of the goals as, as Christians that we must, we must have one of the goals that we should have and must have is to grow spiritually and to be strong in the Lord, not just to be strong in the Lord, but so that we can be effective instruments in the Lord's hands. Aren't we God's hands and feet? We're the hands and feet of Christ. And we need to have a goal of growing spiritually to do that. And um, I have seven of them here. Another thing, why we want to grow spiritually is it brings glory to God. That's his will that we grow spiritually. And he will not only use us, but we'll also be the ones in turn who get the blessing. There's seven qualities for spiritual growth, strength, and to be an effective witness to win others to Christ in every believer. Number one is the knowledge of God. This is so important. Psalm 119, 1 through 7, reminds us in those verses, and I'm not going to, for the sake of time, go over all these scriptures. I'll give a lot of references as I go. But those verses really indicate that you cannot really know God without his scripture, without the word. That's the truth. God's word reproves us. It shows us what God does not like in our lives. It teaches us about God and his will for our lives. God loves righteousness, but he hates sin. He teaches us how to be righteous. Some of you might remember that verse, if not all of you. 2 Timothy 3.16, where all scripture is given, you know, by inspiration of God, and it's profitable, isn't it? For doctrine, for reproof, for instruction, for correction and instruction in righteousness. That's how we learn to do what's right. That's how we learn to stop doing what's wrong. And then we see that another one um, teaches us how to be successful. Joshua 1.8 reminds us, God, God told Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, and then we will find our way prosperous and successful. We want to get someplace with the Lord's work or get someplace, we really need to do that. Keep God, live by God's word. God's word lights our way helps us to know how others can have their way lit as well. His word is a light unto our, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Psalm 119, 105. And then we must study so that we can be prepared to witness, prepared to work for the Lord. Absolutely. You know, I, I heard a statistic that I don't, it's probably correct, that 10% of all Christians, only 10% of Christians open their Bibles all week. Most people who come out of church on Sunday don't open the Bible till next Sunday. We don't want to be like that, do we? We do not want to be like that. We should be in God's Word, and really, it's wonderful to be in that Word. It's the mind of God. 
And uh, God wants that. He wants that for us. We must study to show to be prepared, but also to show up, be up, uh, to show that we're approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing, so that we can know what scriptures to use in what situation. Listen, with neighbors and family and all the problems that people are facing today, isn't that good? Most people don't even know what scripture to use with what. And that's the truth. I do counseling. I talk to people all the time. They don't even have, even some of the Christian doctors, and I know I talked to somebody once who said, you know, well, my doctor is a Christian. I said, when are you going to get biblical help? They had a lot of problems. When will you get biblical help? Get a Bible counselor. Well, my doctor is a Christian, psychiatrist, by the way, by the way, who never did a thing for me. <laughs> There's, there may be some good ones that plug people into the Lord, but, and, and, that, and they're good for when there's something really wrong, like tumors or can, cancer or, you know what I mean, um, gross, gross in your brain or chemical imbalances. But as far as helping people to get it right and how to live, we need God's word. And uh, psychology was really developed by Freud, who was an atheist. And I mean, it has its place. I'm talking about in the medical field. Fine. I asked this person, they said, oh, really, they're a Christian? What, verse are what verses are they using you to help you with this problem? They said, well, they don't use any scripture. Well, guess what? We need the book. We need the book. There's no doubt about it. And I can verify that. <laughs> Live by the book. We must know exactly what we believe and why we believe it. We will not grow spiritually and we will not be strong and we will not win souls either if we lack knowledge of God's word. There will be no joy and no peace in the heart. And I wonder is why so many people look like they were baptized in pickle juice. I mean, you know, they don't look like they're real joyful at all. I mean, and then boldness. Number two is boldness. Some of these are shorter, by the way. I'll hit on some of them harder, and I am conscious I'm watching time. Boldness. Boldness is bravery, courage, and confidence. How can I be bold? Don't you wish you were bold? I hope all of you are bold. It used to be. Well, I was bold in some things. <laughs> how, can, how can we be bold? An example would be to stand up for the truth. Obey God, even when it means standing alone. Your family, friends, turn their backs on you. I've had this happen to me and my family. It's not fun. You know, you can be even disowned by some family members. How can you be bold and have peace about it? And that's a big thing, too, to have, be bold Stand up for the Lord, and you're standing alone. Your family rejects you, and then how do you have peace? Only through God's word. He tells us how. And then we see uh, in times past there have been Christians who have died for being bold. And I will mention, I don't know if I'm allowed to on live stream, I'm afraid. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm actually doing a lot better than I thought. I was really scared. Sometimes I started to talk and nothing came out. I said, Lord, please let me come here in front of these people and not speak. I'll cry. <laughs> no. um, what? There's one country, I don't know if I should say it, but I mean, I'm not going to say the country, but there's one country, and I send literature there, by the way. 80% of all of the world's uh, Christians that are killed are killed in this one country in Africa. And another thing, one, one Christian's killed every two hours. And we haven't come to that yet here, but 
not at all, but I mean, there are people who, who give up their lives for the sake of Christ. Anyway, boldness. People who are not bold are people who are afraid. Just knowing scripture is not enough to make us bold, folks. Do you realize that Satan knows the scriptures? Satan knows the scriptures. Where does boldness come from? 2 Timothy 1.7 reminds us that God has not, listen, we're afraid if we're not bold. Timid, shy. Um, 2 Timothy 1.7 says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. But he's given us a, he has given us a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. I like that. Um, not, one of the, I asked a question, um, where does boldness come from? The first place it comes from is Christ. Ephesians 3.12 reminds us what we believe about the Lord will determine how bold we will be and how much we will grow and determine our witness. That's a mouthful, but it's true. What we believe will determine whether we will be bold or not. You know what? What do you believe? You don't have to answer out loud, but what do you really believe? If we really believe God and his word, we're going to act on it. <clears throat> Excuse me. The second one is prayer. Where does boldness come from? Prayer. Pray and ask God to teach you how to be bold. If it's a problem, we can ask God about that. He will help us. Prayer, pray always for his will not our will. It always, we always should pray according to what does God want. <clears throat> and I might also say that we should look at things through God's eyes. A lot of times we're, we're, we're hindered because we get, excuse me, bombarded with negativity. You stuff on Facebook and th things on the news media or even listening to other people that have, well, it's okay to listen to people's problems, but are we steering them in the right direction with their problems? But if we have a lot of negativity coming in into our, you know, that is really a problem. And that will help us to have more problems becoming bold. It will help us to lose our strength. We need to pray for strength. Righteousness. Where does, where does boldness come from? Being righteous. Proverbs 28.1 says that um, the, only the wicked flee when no man pursues, and, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The righteous are bold. If you have peace in your heart and you know the Lord and you're doing what he tells you to do, we can stand up to anything. We, will, we are either righteous or unrighteous. <clears throat> righteousness, um, is right, excuse me, righteousness is uprightness before God. It is the obedience to God. And a righteous person is a spirit-filled person. And Romans 8 tells us that the moment we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. And you know people forget the Holy Spirit. They remember God the Father and Christ the Son, but what about his Holy Spirit? John 14, Jesus himself reminded his disciples that they were upset, you know, about Jesus leaving, you know, going to the cross and he was going to go away. But he, Jesus reminds them that he will send a comforter, and it will be he that will bring to your minds the remembrance of the things that I've taught you in my word. That's beautiful. I love that verse. I love that when Jesus said that God's Holy Spirit living in us, he will bring to our minds what we need to know out of the word. That's why it's so important to know the word. And then uh, spirit-filled means controlled by him. It means living in obedience to him. And then... Um, that person also 
uh, well, or we got to remember other people are watching, but most importantly, when no one is looking, what are we doing? So we need to make sure we're upright no matter when, you know? How does God feel about the righteous? Their prayers are heard. Proverbs 15, 29. They are softly, uh, excuse me, safely guarded. Christ loves them. They are rewarded. And yes, they are bold. How about number three? Another quality we will develop and need to develop is compassion. Do you ever have people around you that are prickly people? People that are not easy to love? You ever have, you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> we all have people like that, I think, even in churches. You know, there's some people that just get on you, rub you the wrong way or know how to push your buttons. I, I know I've seen people like that. I've heard about people like that. And there's something about some people that just have a way of doing that. And uh, they may need extra prayer or help or counsel or something. Or it just may be the way they are. I mean, compassion. Sometimes you... You know, especially in the family. Listen, listen, folks. <laughs> what we are at home is what we really are. That's hard to have compassion there sometimes. Sometimes you, you want to get a hold of somebody and go, you know, like that. God doesn't want us to do that. <laughs> God wants us to have the ability to suffer with another, to feel what they feel with a strong desire to help their need and ease their pain. That's what God wants, even in an unlovely person. And I speak to myself with all these, by the way. Always. <laughs> this always, always. Not an easy thing. You know what, though? When Christ lives in us, we can do almost anything. Anything he asks us. His, his grace will not lead us where his grace will not keep us. He'll help us to do what he wants us to do. I guarantee it. Number A, I have God. Where does compassion come from? There's three reasons why we should have compassion. Number one, God had compassion on us. Christ was our ultimate example. Jesus said in Matthew 15, feed the multitude. Remember, the multitude was fed, and for three days they were out in the wilderness with him. Disciples said, send them away. Let them go back to their villages to get food. Jesus didn't want to do that. He said, they have to be fed. They're hungry. They could faint on the way, you know. And he took time. Of course, you know that two times, twice he did that. You know, and that one time he took the little boy's lunch. The little boy's mother made him that lunch. He probably was hungry himself, but he gave it up for Jesus. I love that story. <laughs> but Jesus had compassion on the multitude. And listen to this. He said he had compassion on, on, uh, on us. Also, Calvary is the greatest example of God's compassion on us. When Christ, uh, when, when, excuse me, when Christ was sent by God and when Christ was willing to lay down his life, he, did not, he was not a victim, folks. He willingly laid down his life. And uh, no man taketh my life from me except I lay it down, he said. Remember? When he, where do we get compassion? Why we should have compassion and where do we get it? Christ's example. We see Christ was willing to suffer and die a terrible death for every one of us. Well, even the unlovely people, even wicked sinners, because Jesus, grace, I'm glad for that verse, we're not saved by works. Jesus saves from the guttermost to the uttermost. People in prison get saved, they get turned around. There's even a lot of evangelists and pastors 
that I went that route in prison that were violent criminals and they, they got saved in jail. I, I led many, many hardened women to, to Christ in jail. Some of them are serving in full-time ministry today. I'm glad that verse is in the Bible. We're not saved by works. But here we see that Jesus died for every person, a terrible death. When Jesus was, per was, was um, Jesus who was perfect was slapped around, mocked, and spit on, he had compassion on us. When the tender skin of his back was ripped open, he had compassion on us. When Christ was led like a lamb to the slaughter and not opening his mouth, not saying anything, he had compassion on us. And then when he was nailed to that cold wooden cross and hung there with the mocking, the shame, nothing on, <coughs> excuse me, beard plucked out, wasn't recognizable as a man, his mother there at the cross. Can you imagine the compassion that Jesus had when he did that for us. And then part of our testimony of what Christ did for us is shown in how we love other people. Matthew 13, 35, Jesus' words, by the way, this is how men, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, my learners, my followers, if you have loved one for another. Beautiful verse, good, good verse to remember, especially when we're cut off on the road, you know, do we say praise the Lord when we cut off on the road? I'm not so sure. We, I don't think pe most people don't do that. <laughs> but we, we, you know, we need to have compassion on people. You know, even at the supermarket and the, and the uh, you know, with the checkout and all that. Do we really care about people and their souls? Do we really care if they die without Christ? Think about it. Our neighbors, you know, members of our family. Without love and compassion, no souls will be saved, and we will not accomplish very much for the purpose for which we were made either. And then we see that we are commanded to have compassion. Did you know that? It's not a choice. We see less compassion today. There's people that have it, but it's not like we used to be years ago. I mean, even in churches, I mean, the people just are so busy, they don't have time. And it's true, people work, and they, but there are things that Christians can do. Shmorga's board discipleship. I'll pick and choose how I want to serve or what I want to do. We need to have compassion and take time for people. Number four, another quality is sensitive to God's Holy Spirit. I already touched on that somewhat with the Holy Spirit, his guidance. We must make conscious effort, making ourselves aware of the Holy Spirit's presence. It's vital. And that is what will help us. God promises us we will bear fruit. And uh, we will grow and bear fruit when we follow his spirit. Now, he promises that. Number five is tact. It's knowing the right thing to say and do at the right time. Don't, do you all, how many have that? Boy, I mean, that's a nice thing to have. That takes wisdom, by the way. And um, James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. This is a blessing that we can get, not as the world gives wisdom, not that wisdom. It's fleshly and sensual, that wisdom. We want God's wisdom. And not only that, to just slow down and think before we open our mouths. And then God will give us the right thing to say at the right time. That's where we get wisdom. I mean, tact. Tact with wisdom. And don't go by feelings. 
twice in Proverbs, we're reminded, <clears throat> excuse me, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It seems right, feels right, looks right. No, may not be right. But Proverbs 3, 5, 6, 7 tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not to our own understanding. In all of our ways acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. I like seven with it. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. And then number six, intense enthusiasm or zeal. This is another quality. There's a lot of them, isn't there? <laughs> another quality that we will, um, if, if for spiritual growth, as we follow God's leading, his word, his Holy Spirit, we obey his word, uh, we will wind up having intense enthusiasm or zeal. And uh, we must have enthusiastic devotion to God <coughs> for his word. Boy, is, is, a, is it a drag? I mean, so many people are on Facebook all the time. I'm wondering, how much time do they spend in the Word of God? And I don't mean reading. You can read the Word of God on your phone. I can do that. And my daughter helped me get one of those phones. I never really wanted it, but, you know, I lost my husband, and then she gave me her old Apple for my birthday, and I think, I don't need a phone like that. I had a little flip phone for emergency. That's it. And, uh, but I've grown to love it, and I'm not on it all the time. I really am not, and I won't be, because I know where my priorities are. And I do try to do what I teach him. <laughs> no, I don't want to live on no phone. That turns me totally off. I'd get rid of it if I was like that. I mean it. And it's good, because pastor, you know, texts, uh, prayer requests. Our church is real big now. And right away, I get prayer requests for surgeries and accidents and different things. But it has its place. And it's a good thing. It's a tool. And it's fun, isn't it? But, I mean, let's not live on that. <laughs> and so many people are, even adults, addicted to that thing. You know, Internet, Facebook, and all that. I'm not on Facebook personally, and I don't want to be. My ministry is. But I'm happy with my two landlines and the way I do it. I still like notes the old-fashioned way. And my phone calls. That's, <laughs> but that's me, and that's all right. Enthusiasm. Oh, boy. Here we go. We'll have zeal. And the Lord, what happens? The Lord and his work will be an honor to do, exciting to do, not a drag. You know, oh, i got to read the word again. Oh, the Mars Church. I mean, oh, we should not be like that at all. I hope we're not like that. And I don't think anybody here is like that. But humility is number seven. We're almost done. Isn't that nice? <laughs> okay. Is the state of the, the humility is the state of being humble. This is really important. They all are. Our own sinfulness, our own unworthiness, and our limitations. That is what we realize, you know, when we're humble. God's holiness and God's righteousness are all factors in realizing one and having a sense of one's humility. I mean, who we really are and where we stand. Can I remind us, Lamentations 3 says that it's by God's mercy that we're not consumed right where we're sitting or standing. I mean, it's by his mercies. His mer great is his faithfulness. They're new every morning. Daniel, the fifth chapter, reminds us our breath is in his hand. Paul said, beware you, th you think you stand, lest you fall. Who do we think we are? I mean, sometimes people can become so righteous, so religious, so pious, don't taint my righteous rags attitude. 
like you raise yourself up because you know all these things. Paul reminds us that knowledge puffs up. It's love that builds. And First um, uh, Corinthians 13, remember, that even if we, we had all prophecy and understood all, knew all mysteries and all knowledge, and uh, we knew everything about everything and had faith so that we could even move a mountain, if we knew everything about what happens? If we don't have love, we're nothing. We need to realize, you know, that we're, we're the created, you know, and we need to think about that, where we really, a sense of our, now I mean, Romans 12, Romans 12, Paul said, present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy unto God, which is our reasonable service. But in verse 3, it reminds us also not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. And I like to remind us, me, my, I'm reminding us, out of these scriptures I see also, like I did back in the day, back, don't think of yourself more lowly than you ought to think either. <laughs> I mean, I'm no good, I'm nothing. That's not, that's not true humility. That's, you know, having a big pity party and going that route is not, that's not it. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about at all. But realizing that all I, all I am, all I am is in Christ. All, all who I am, why was I made? Why am I here? It's all about the Lord. It's all about Christ. And God resists the proud, but he lifts up the humble. Remember? Um, we see that, uh, let's see, we have, uh, let's see, while trials, afflictions, um, they come. Christ's example is to help make us humble. And uh, I believe in a non-stubborn, submissive attitude, giving up our rights. Being submissive, well, I demand this, I want that, I want this, I want that. I mean, that's how a lot of people think, whether it's in the job or in the home, and a lot of problems happen from that. And that's not being humble. It's being, being um, when pride's there, self is on the throne of the heart, folks, not Christ. Paul said the God that we give the most attention to is self. And we have to be careful of that. You know, what's best for me? What do I want? What do I need? You know what I'm saying? Uh, we want to be careful <clears throat> of that. What does humility do? There's four quick things here. Humility is the road to honor. Humility ensures God's presence in our lives. Humility brings blessings. And humility unlocks more grace. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Without seven, these seven qualities, what we will have is a weak faith, a weak faith and a weak testimony, which will produce a weak, unhappy Christian who will very well backslide, possibly, and then shrink when they could be strong and growing for the Lord and greatly used of the Lord. And I hope that this message was meant a lot to you and it was a help to you. And I'm so grateful for being here. I'm very grateful for the invitation. You still let me come back with my voice. And um, we're going to close. And if anyone's here that does not know the Savior or even online, you can get my phone number and call me. And I will talk to you and help you to know how you can spend eternity in heaven with the Lord forever. If you're not sure of, of whether you would spend eternity in heaven today, don't leave this room without knowing that. And I'm very happy to be able to be a help to you and someone online. Don't wait. Today is the day of salvation. 
We're not promised tomorrow. Or someone here, I don't know everybody here, but someone here, if you want to call the church or call someone you know here, get that straightened out. If there's any way that I can be a help to you, call me. I'll help. I'll meet with you, and I'll do whatever I can to help you that way also. And even if you need a Bible or need literature or anything, you know, you can check, call the number on the brochure there or get the information from the church.